This is Better Benefits, a podcast from the team at Brella Insurance. We're talking about how to use employee benefits to build a world where health hardships don't create financial burdens. If you're a broker or employer looking for fresh ideas and new products employees will actually use, this show's for you. I'm Laura Cave, Director of Marketing, and I'm here with Chief Revenue Officer Mike Zarillo for Better Benefits, episode number four. Today, we're going to be talking about what's new and next in the world of group benefits. Are you ready for this one, Mike? I am, Laura. It's great to be back with you again. I've been looking forward to this one for some time now because of our guest, and I won't steal your thunder there, but also because I think it gives us a chance to zoom out a little bit and take a big picture view at the dynamics that employers are facing and and how we can help better design more holistic solutions. That's right. You know, group benefits are still the primary way that the average American gets health coverage, dental, vision, and financial tools like 401ks and health savings accounts. This is a really important part of how companies attract and retain their talent. So it's an important area of focus for business leaders, especially as we have teams this year working from home and adapting to the ongoing impacts of the coronavirus pandemic. From what I understand, a lot has been changing and a lot still needs to change to help group benefits evolve with today's employees and their needs. What it, what would you say are some of the issues that you hear about from brokers? Yeah, I mean, we certainly find ourselves in a place that, you know, many of us, whether it's on the carrier side or on the broker side, employers, employees, we're all sort of facing a a new world right now and and looking to sort of navigate some of the challenges that uh, 2020 has brought along with it. You know, I think in, in talking with brokers, you know, obviously there's this focus on finding ways to cope with the rising costs that are always a factor on the health side of the of the benefits package. And with COVID, you've got a whole new range of issues and uncertainty to contend with. Uh, impacts to cost, heightened employee awareness. You've got employees who have pushed care off from 2020 and, and into 2022. Um, so a lot's happening there that uh, I think all stakeholders need to sort of navigate and work around. You know, we've talked about how the needs of the employees are changing also in some of our earlier podcasts. But if you think about it, we're in the midst of fourth quarter, in the midst of open enrollment cycle, and and how to engage employees in this new world, how to help them understand their benefits and, and be comfortable and educated in their offerings is certainly top of mind uh, for everyone. And and lastly, you know, I think technology continues to disrupt and and hopefully improve how benefits are administered and used, but I think there's a lot of players that are still behind the ball on this. So lots happening in our space. And I think um, for our broker partners that we talk to and, and, and work with, you know, they've got their hands full right now. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to welcome today's guest. It's Dick Mucci, who has been leading insurance businesses throughout his career. Most recently, Dick was president of the group protection business for Lincoln Financial Group. And prior to his retirement in December 2019, he was also previously executive vice president at the Hartford, where he led the employee benefit business. And he's done many, many other impressive things all over the world, but we appreciate him most around here for his advisory work that he's done for the team here at Brella. So welcome, Dick. Thanks for joining the show today. 
Thank you, Laura. Glad to be here. And hi, Mike. Nice to see you again. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, me too. I'm always willing to talk about insurance <laughs> and insurance business. Well, it's 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 great to have you here, Dick. And and uh, yeah, we've had the uh, opportunity to work together uh, in the past, and and it's been a real you know really privilege for us to have you part of the team here as we've launched uh, Brella. So uh, really grateful for your contributions. Um, so what are you up to these days, if you wouldn't mind sharing that? And, and tell us a little bit about what, you know, uh, made you want to get involved with uh, Brella as one of our advisors. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, you know me, I, I, I can't sit still for a long periods of time, but I just, uh, retirement I began at the end of, the, of last year uh, really was an opportunity to, to kind of take a different uh, view of what I spend my time on. So I really developed a, I'm developing a portfolio of activities that uh, will keep me engaged and intellectually challenged. I love to solve problems. I like to help people. So, you know, it does present, you know, kind of a freedom to kind of explore different things. So I am uh, coaching a couple of uh, senior executives. I am uh, getting more involved with not-for-profits. I joined uh, one not-for-profit board, looking to join another soon. I am providing some advisory services to uh, several uh, tech startups. I'll get back to that in a moment. I'm also exploring opportunities that could be cultural or academic. Those things have not gone as quickly as I would like given the COVID environment. And I was going to travel the world, but <laughs> that hasn't happened so far. Hopefully it will soon uh, that we can uh, do some traveling. So, you know, uh, a combination of things. To, and it's kind of interesting to have uh, these different activities that some are related, some are not related. And your question about Brella, I mean, it goes back to, and Laura commented on this too, the, the need for Americans needing insurance. And this is something that's driven me my whole career in insurance. And even why I joined the insurance business, I found it uh, you know, a very people-oriented business. The things you do in, in, in insurance, especially the personal lines of insurance, the life insurance, disability, health, whatever, uh, really impact people's lives. Uh, as I ran insurance business, certainly you want to grow, you want to make money. But uh, it also was very motivating to the people I led and, and to me to know that what you did really uh, uh, made an impact on people's lives and, and, and made a difference. So why I signed up for Brella was kind of in the context of this larger uh, perspective is that uh, there is a crying need for insurance coverages for uh, rank and file Americans. They are underinsured uh, uh, they don't have insurance. And I've seen too many situations where people, a family suffers a premature death, somebody gets sick or hurt medical expenses and families suffer, people suffer, uh, people lose their homes, pe kids don't get educated. I mean, and, and we as Americans tend to sweep that under the rug and don't pay attention to it until it's too late. And so I think the, the, the mission is to uh, do a better job, and I think this is an industry issue, do the better job of providing protection to uh, Americans, first by uh, having them understand their needs and risks and what options they have and to, to deliver those options in a very efficient way that is customer satisfying. So that's the challenge of the industry. And why I joined Brella is that I think it's a, it's, it's a company that's making inroads, inroads on that type of thinking because it's a product that provides some basic needs, fill in the gaps, do it efficiently in terms of making the buying experience uh, easy and provide service which is uh, top-notch, rapid turnaround on claims, things people expect from other type of service providers that the insurance industry is sometimes not 
as advanced as other industries. So I think Brella is breaking new ground, which I think is really needed for the insurance industry to set the pace for other uh, people, players in this industry. So it's exciting to be part of the team and help advise company to be that the company to be successful. Yeah, that's great. And and I, I think I go back to, you know, a, a prior time where we we spent some time together and organizationally I remember a real passionate cultural belief in in what we were doing in helping the consumer there. So that that sort of message Dick resonates and and I think um, you know, that's culturally very much part of what we're we're trying to do here at Brella. I'm curious from your perspective how do, how do companies like us or others that are looking to solve some tough challenges, especially for employees and their families, um, do, you, do you think that that's a, a, a winning proposition or do you think they'll still be because, you know, there's it, it's a change and a shift, right, in some ways be, because of, of how the buying decision is made because of needs of, of consumers have shifted. Do you think, you know, companies can, can actually be successful with that sort of cultural focus on uh, making that positive impact for employees and their families? Well, absolutely. I mean, the trends are there. I mean, this is not something that's hap- you know, it's happening last year or two. It's a trend. If you look at the trends of the 10, 20, 30 years, uh, people looking to their employers uh, to provide insurance pract- uh, benefits, and they're looking for ways to f- fill in the gaps. So they they have they they have a sense of need. They just need somebody to help educate them, and uh, and also deliver products which are meaningful and understandable in a, in a way that's. Like I said, a buying experience that people are more used to, uh, uh, which certainly has to have a heavy dose of technology. You know, all of us are, are becoming more used to doing transactions using our mobile devices, for example, and the idea of filling out paper and waiting 90 days for an answer. I mean, those things, uh, you know, the insurance industry has to move past that. I think the insurance industry has traditionally worked through intermediaries. So what's new, I think, for insurance companies is to work directly with consumers and this this case, employees of employers. And that's a skill that has to be learned and, and some companies are further ahead of that than others. Uh, but I think that's one of the breakthroughs. And uh, again, technology plays a big role in making making it easier. So you know, I just, this is just pivoting off the, the trends that have been occurring. Uh, in some sense, they're, they're accelerating, uh, especially in this uh, world today, the, you know, people with the COVID environment, people more aware of risk, and that's something I want to talk about a little bit uh, uh, later. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think uh, it's 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 a great opportunity. I mean, it's a great opportunity for the insurance industry to uh, provide uh, benefits that are needed, and tremendous growth opportunity for uh, for uh, insurance carriers, uh, people who serve the clients, brokers, consultants, and employers to do better serve their employees. So yeah, I think it's. Uh, it's here to stay. It's a trend, and those who capitalize on it will be will have the opportunity to take advantage of the trend. That's awesome. I think that's great. You know, people don't often think of insurance as doing a social good, but I think in an environment where healthcare is as expensive as it is in the U.S., and so many, you know, two thirds of personal bankruptcies are because of medical bills. Half of Americans fear medical bankruptcy. It's 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 imperative. And I think it's one of the biggest challenges of our generation and something that certainly something that drives my career and I know all of ours. And so a lot of the inspiration behind this podcast was p- to pull together all the people who feel that way, because it's not just us. It's a lot of other innovative companies out there that are working on this problem in different ways. And we figured we could at least have a cool conversation about that. So 
I actually want to dig a little bit deeper into some of the things you started to touch on about the ways things have been changing. Can you give us some perspective of how you've seen group benefits evolve over the years? And then what are some of the issues that you think they're still facing today? Uh, thank you, Laura, for that good question. So, um, you know, I got into the insurance business in 1974 after getting my graduate degree. But let me go back a little further than that in some history. You know, uh, employee benefits really uh, became more prevalent after World War II uh, because employers needed to uh, attract uh, employees as and the economy was growing faster uh, and uh, employers uh, thought benefits was a way to attract and retain good employees. And at that time, it was employer-funded uh, ben- benefits. Uh, employees really didn't have a choice. They were given you know, benefits. Employees, fun- uh, employees funded a great deal of it. And um, it really is embedded in our culture. And I did work internationally. And I can tell you that, you know, that, you know many other countries, you know, employee benefits is not as embedded in the culture as it is here in the United States. So that's something somewhat unique about the United States. And there are some countries like that, but Europe is more social benefits. Asia is people more, you know, fending for themselves. And, and so employee benefits has really uh, been become a part of our fabric. I personally don't think that's going to change. I think, if anything, employees are going to have to work harder to attract and retain good employees. You read the, you know, talk about demographics, and you know, there's going to be um, fine for uh, you know, knowledge workers, excellent workers in the, in the future economy uh, when we get back in, on on track, which we will do. Uh, employees are going to have to compete, and uh, they're going to have to offer benefits that are meaningful. Meaningful. What happened during uh, this period? If you go back to when I was entering the insurance business. Uh, 70s, 80s, you know, medical benefits started to really uh, increase in cost. Employers were struggling to keep pace uh, with that. So more and more of the funding went, uh, went to the employees to, to pay for it. And then it, certainly in the last 20 years, 10 to 20 years, it's given rise to not only increased premiums and cost sharing, but also higher deductibles, more co-insurance, uh, just to control the cost element uh, of, of what employers were seeing. So as part of that, employees did have more of a uh, choice to make in terms of what benefits they uh, were willing to pay for. Many employees offer more than one medical plan, for example, but also spilled over into other uh, benefits. The employers saw the need for other benefits like disability insurance, uh, medical stock, you know, gap insurance, uh, dental, uh, disability, and so forth. And employers were, were uh, loved to sponsor those benefits because that was, they were perceived to be valuable by, uh, by employees, but not not able to fund it all. So employee chase be, a choice became more and more prevalent. And as the employee paid more, they wanted more, obviously, in terms of what they were getting for their money. So uh, that trend is 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 still very much uh, alive. That more and more of the insurance be- uh, benefits provided at the work site are as a result of employee choice and employee funding. And I think that's going to continue. Uh, there's one other angle of this too. When I was young, I mean, uh, people had, I, I remember the insurance agent from uh, a company used to visit a house every month to collect premiums, right? The old debit life insurance. Uh, most people, uh, many people had life insurance agents. Well, that's not true now. Only the top three or four or 5% of the, uh, of the working population, the affluent or emerging affluent have insurance agents or financial planners. Most Americans don't have financial planners and insurance agents. So the only time they t- think about insurance is at, at the work site. And uh, that's that's made it more pressing, the problem more pressing in terms of being able to speak to the insurance needs that uh, 
that it has to uh, is, is much more focused on what happens at the work site. Employers, on the other hand, realize uh, in concert with that that you know a way to attract and retain employees is to provide a suite of benefits in a in a service structure infrastructure that uh, employees perceive as valuable in terms of their benefits. And it may not have to pay for it all, which is, uh, but you know, they they need to provide it. And uh, so I think that's the other trend that's happening uh, that's uh, fueling this acceleration of employee sponsored, employee choice, employee funded uh, uh, benefits of the worksite. Got it. So we've got rising costs, more products, more choice, different structures of who's paying for what. And employees are expecting that choice and looking at it more carefully because a lot more of their dollars are going to it than maybe exactly. went to it in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the other the other thing that Dick mentioned um, that I thought was was interesting and, and certainly relevant is just sort of the demographics of today's working population. You've got so many different generational type segments to think about. You've got different family status. You've got different needs. And and uh, so if you're an employer today, and certainly a broker by extension of the work that they do with employers, you know, that being able to sort of solve the needs of a very diverse working population is is like nothing, Dick. I think you probably agree that we've really ever seen, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, there's a much greater diversity of need, as you pointed out. And the consumer wants more tailoring. They get, they're becoming more used to things being tailored to their specific situation or at least perceived to be that way, right? Uh, so the consumer demand along with the facts, the facts are there is a more diverse working population and people work working longer in one respect. Uh, they have different generations. You have different needs. Uh, even, you know, some people get married, some people don't. Some people have children, some people don't. Some, uh, there's, there's some people taking care of their own children and their elderly parents. So there's all different uh, life situations, single uh, parents also, for example. So you do have to have more tailoring of insurance programs to better meet the diverse needs of the consumer. Yeah, so personalization is definitely a big factor that we were paying attention to with Brella, um, thinking about how can we give people choices about the kinds of benefits right. that they need. Right. So the part of the platform is to, is to provide uh, choice. But, uh, you know, the other thing that consumers want, they want guidance too. They want somebody to provide advice. So choice with advice, education, advice, and choice, I think are, are important ingredients to the equation in these these days. Yeah, absolutely. And clarity and honesty of communication. They want to understand these benefits and sometimes they're complicated. And if you're not in the insurance business, how are you supposed to understand all these rules? Yeah, you know, when consumers are confused, they don't make a decision, right? Yeah, that's right. So you're right. Clarity is important. No, I was uh, th- uh, thinking about comment um, uh, about consumers too. Uh, they, they, you know, the, the, the d- dynamic today. You know, this is where this is. I think even more of an opportunity. You know, although we have a tremendous health crisis going on in our country, I, I think employees of rank and file Americans are more aware of their risk than ever before, and um, and they're looking for somebody to help them sort that out. You know, uh, health risk, life insurance risk, I mean, unable to work risk. Um, so I think the opportunity is uh, the consumer is even more sensitized to providing coverage that meets those risks. And also, uh, there's something else you said earlier, which is important to emphasize. You know, I've, um, I've 
I've led research efforts to understand this, but uh, you mentioned uh, people uh, have um, don't really understand the financial situation, are concerned about the financial situation. And uh, there is a connection between that and stress and well-being and, is, and stability in the work site. So in other words, if an employer has employees who are worried about their financial risk, uh, they are less productive, they are more, um, let's say, absent from work, uh, even more uh, more levels of uh, medical conditions. So uh, there is a connection between financial, you know, the term financial wellness is a term that's being tossed around in the industry now. Financial wellness and 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 uh, well-being and uh, employee stability. So these things are connected. So if you're an employer, uh, you're looking at these needs, uh, the sensitivity of of risk that the consumers now have even more so. And in fact, they want no. What do they want? The employees want and they want to attract and retain a, a workforce, and they want that workforce to be as productive as possible. So uh, that's the motivation for employers to keep their benefit programs up to speed with the changing dynamics here. So I think a broker or a consultant needs to uh, reach out to their customers and their employers and to talk about, I'm thinking employees want to talk about this or the employees, the brokers should bring that topic up. So they have that discussion. And the other thing I would say to brokers and consultants in this environment, you know, when people go into stress employees, for example, you can really help them this by uh, reaching out to them and saying, how are you doing? Uh, what are you worried about? They, they look, you know, obviously they have worries and, and concerns as, as employers uh, in terms of managing their company and, and employees. So that reach out from uh, brokers uh, would be well received and the frequent, more frequent, the better. And also then these other topics can be brought up in terms of the health of their employee benefit uh, program. Make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. And I, and I think this sort of theme of guidance, not only for the employee, but, but for the employer, right, is, is needed now more, more than ever. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but the role of the broker advisor consultant today has never been more important for their employer clients. And you, you mentioned a couple of examples of, of things that brokers should keep an eye on, Dick, especially as we head into a new year and, and managing the, the current set of challenges that we face. Anything else, if you were to think about uh, that, that broker role, any other advice that you might give a broker or, or things to be thinking about diff- differently or maybe more opportunistically? Well, I mentioned the, uh, the heightened uh, level of risk and the heightened concern of employers who uh, take care of their employees. The other thing is that I, um, I think during this uh, COVID crisis, employers were low to make a lot of changes to their benefit programs. But as we tr- tend to hopefully come out of this uh, and things improve over the next 12 months, I think it's opportunities to revisit these topics and, and the employees more willing to embrace new ideas around benefits and, uh, and also more willing to, and in Brella's case, for example, uh, install a benefit program off cycle that you know, it's not necessary, necessarily one one cycle. It's one that uh, you can install cases in June or July, whatever. And I think those opportunities will be more prevalent. Uh, may have backburned any thoughts about changing the benefit program, but as we get into the new year, I think that's an opportunity for employer brokers to be there to uh, to uh, to capitalize on that particular need. Yeah, obviously there was a lot to react to as for businesses in this economic environment in 2020. So I wonder if you know with with some things straightening out there, if they can now turn to 
you know, what does our team need to navigate this and, and what could we do opportunistically to, to get something in their hands? That's, that's a great suggestion. Yeah. And I think it, it may even be depending on how long some of these challenges stick around and, and, and they could be here um, for some time. I think it's also just adjusting to the new normal, right? Maybe not necessarily waiting until things get back to the way they used to be, uh, but for brokers and employers finding ways to adjust to this new world that we find ourselves in, I think is uh, certainly important. And as we've engaged with brokers, I think, Dick, you're spot on. I, I think this fourth quarter especially has posed uh, you know, all kinds of challenges that everyone has been trying to uh, to figure out and manage. And making changes on top of everything else, I think certainly is a, a dynamic that we've seen in the market. But as I've mentioned, I know Laura and I talk about this. In fact, just this week had a discussion with a, a broker partner. You know, at the end of the day, you know, injury and illness and, and the challenges that we've talked about as far as what Brella is looking to solve, they don't necessarily wait till every fourth quarter. Um, you know, things happen all the time for employees. Employees continue to have concerns and and stress relative to, uh, you know, healthcare costs and, and some of the gaps that exist there. So it's going to require all of us, I think, to adjust to this new way and new world that we, uh, we find ourselves in. Mm -hmm. So while we're talking about this, we spoke about the connection between financial health and physical health. I wonder if there are, and talking about being opportunistic, I wonder if there are any new group products or areas that you think brokers and employers should be looking into besides Brella? Well, I think that's uh, certainly something we all should think about. I mean, let's look at some basic life insurance coverages, right? I mean, I, unfortunately, I think uh, all of us in America are much more aware of our mortality and what things, bad things could happen to us, right? Mm -hmm. we, we as uh, you know, optimistic people, we tend to not pay attention to those things. But I, I, you know, it's, it's not exotic, <laughs> but people don't have enough life insurance mm. and, uh, and their families will suffer if, if something happens to them. Also, I think in the life insurance vein, I think the, you know, what's interesting, you, have the, you know, your group term life, life insurance, but I think uh, what's growing is, is to be able to employees purchase uh, what, we call, you know, what we call permanent life insurance, which, you know, which is provided over on a level premium basis over a period of, of, of a lifetime. Um, I think those products becoming more prevalent um, and more people more interested. So life insurance products. I think you know anything to fill in gaps around medical or absence from work. Uh, certainly, uh, a heightened attention. Uh, there's a growing trend with paid family leave, for example. Mm -hmm. A lot of it's being driven by regulatory actions at the state level, um, and um, um, uh, more employers are providing family leave, but paid family leave. So again, uh, trying to provide a floor of protection for people who can, you know, can't be at work for either health reasons or they're taking care of a, a, of a relative who is ill and those types of things, or even maternity. But, uh, and then, you know, gap fillers around uh, health insurance programs. As I mentioned, health insurance programs have become uh, you know, employees in order to control costs have, have um, moved to higher deductibles, more co-insurance. I think, you know, you know, this again is a long-term trend, but um, employees have less confidence that their medical coverage would be sufficient, and also a greater awareness that you know beyond just the medical bills, if somebody gets seriously ill, there's other costs associated with that. And uh, you know, who's going to drive? You know, how are you going to drive the kids to school, daycare? You know, 
you know, any physical uh, adjustments to how you live uh, right. uh, need to be taken care of. So I, I think people uh, are more aware, not only of the risk of uh, medical coverage, but uh, also the fact that uh, there are gaps and that it's medical paying your medical bills is not the whole story. I mean, if you look at the, uh, the latest uh, election and you look at the polls and what's on people's minds, healthcare is a vast majority of, of uh, Americans are worried about their healthcare. So uh, there's a lot of uh, reasons for that, uh, but one of which is that they don't, you know, they they know there's gaps and they know that things uh, happen when they um, are uh, when a medical uh, situations, health, uh, either injury or sickness, uh, befall somebody in a, in a family. And you have single family uh, earners, and you have even two family, you know, two earners in the family are dependent on one another. These things are all coming to play that make it more of a pressing issue. Thanks. That's really helpful. Okay, Dick, one more before we let you off the hook. Um, we uh, always want to try and leave our listeners with something practical that they can act on. And, and uh, I know that you mentioned that you, you've done some recent uh, leadership coaching and, and other advising. Or uh, So I guess question, is, is there a book or a resource or a track that maybe you've had some uh, experience with that's had a big impact on you and, and as a professional or or just as a person that you might recommend to uh, to our listeners? Well, that's a loaded question, Mike. <laughs> a lot of things I could say. You know, let me just say that, you know, I, I came into the insurance business as a financial person. I was an, I'm an actuary by training. Uh, but early in my career, I started leading insurance business and became you know, quite aware that, you know, uh, if you're going to lead a business, lead a group of people or any community of people, uh, leadership traits are uh, even more important than understanding the financials, right? Uh, so I've always been uh, interested uh, in leadership, uh, culture, motivate people, how to get people to follow. And um, and I think, and that, you know, that could be small groups of people, large groups of people, people, people in your own family. <laughs> and I think it's important, uh, you know, I've always find it interesting to learn from other leaders. And I don't think you ever stop learning because people continually change, right? You mentioned the new dynamics, new, uh, new environment we're in. Uh, we're, we're all learning better leadership traits. I like to study and, and read about leaders who've gone under stressful situations and some of them, you know, historical, uh, you know, I, uh, I remember reading Dor- Doris Kearns Gowen's books about the Lincoln team arrivals, uh, a very interesting story of Lincoln, how he assumed the presidency under, you know, very stressful situations. I am now reading uh, David McCullough's book about Truman's is he won the Pulitzer Prize for this book. It's 1,100 pages, so it's a good it's a good read. Uh, it takes some time, but uh, um, it's really really interesting about uh, someone who came up essentially a farmer from from Missouri and uh, unexpectedly got into politics, had a modicum of success, became a senator, and you know kind of de- by default fell into a vice president position. And three four months into uh, being elected vice president, uh, you know Franklin Roosevelt passed away, and he became president. And he was um, a lot of people did not appreciate or undervalued what he brought to that equation. And he was just exactly the right man for the job at that point to read the story and what he, he was able to do. So you know, I think um, I would uh, recommend reading any leader, a business leader, political leader, you know, a, a community leader. Uh, uh, who, especially if they've gone under stressful situations, 
And I think we can uh, develop traits because we're all going through stressful situations, right? So it's on leadership, your own life, not just other people. Yeah, especially and now. And how people deal with that. Right. In fact, even yesterday, I was reading an article by, uh, you know, an interview with Jamie Dimon from uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. He talked about the qualities of leadership. And he, and he said, you know, being the smartest person and the most experienced person is not as important as other traits. And he talked about humility, talked about being fair and open-minded and being authentic. And this is out of Jamie Dimon. If you know Jamie Dimon, you know, he's not the most humble. He actually said in the article, I'm not the most humble person. So he has to work on that. But, you know, those, you know, in time of change and stress, especially, that's what people are looking for in, the, in leaders. And, you know, if I was, you know, whether you're leading an insurance business or uh, your, your employer leading in a group of employees or even a broker trying to deal with your clients, I think these are things to keep in mind in terms of people looking to be led and led well. Yeah. And it may be a direct line, but it may be an indirect line. People are looking for people to help them and, and advise, especially t- during times of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would recommend is, to, you know, not any particular thing, but just learn about leadership, what people have done to lead successfully to uh, critical situations and, and knowing that we're all human. So there's no perfect leader. In fact, some of the best leaders have made big mistakes in their careers and, and they have learned from that and, 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 and pivot off that and, and, and become even more successful going forward. Wow, that's really encouraging. Did that answer your question, Mike? It did. I mean, that's just great insight. It, it, it yeah, absolutely great insights, and uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, so appreciate you sharing that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dick. This has been a wonderful conversation with you. It's been great to just get your point of view and and really zoom out and get the big picture of what's what's going on in the industry and what we need to be thinking about next. So thank you for the time. Well, my pleasure. Anytime, like I said, I love talking about the insurance business and and I uh, love talking about Brella. I think they're doing great work and uh, very excited to see what happens uh, as the company continues to evolve. So, uh, yeah, us too. <laughs> I know. So, I know we got good people like you too, and uh, I think it'll be exciting. Thank you, Dick. Thank you, and have a nice Thanksgiving. You too. So. Mike, gosh, we just covered so much. I wondered, what are some of the takeaways that you're hanging on to from what Dick mentioned? Yeah, this has become my favorite part of the podcast, because I I think with the guests that we've had, we we can glean so much from from really good minds uh, in, in this space. Two things for sure stood out for me. One is this cultural focus on on doing right by the consumer and, and, and taking advantage of being in a place where we can all make a positive impact. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that, that certainly uh, stood out to me. And then I think this reminder of the intent of employee benefits, and I really appreciated the perspective looking back on how we sort of got to this place, but, you know, what is the intent of employee benefits and, and how does that play into today's diverse employee populations? And, and uh, it, you know, it certainly provides some challenges, I think, for employers, but, but I also think there's an opportunity um, for all of us to, uh, you know, make an impact and, and uh, address some of the shifts that we've seen. So those for sure stood out. How about you? Yeah, I, I loved what Dick said about how people want choice. You know, we live in a world where I can personalize everything in my life. You know, my my Apple Watch, it has the specific face on it that I want to look at when I tell the time, right? So, so making a shift towards more choices, more personalization, but with that comes complexity. So that means that advice 
is so much more important. And, you know, as brokers, we, you know, folks need to be aware of all the choices, presenting all the choices, but also advising people and guiding people through. I mean, I just thought that was that was really powerful and an, and an interesting way to articulate, you know, what's what's been happening and the importance of that role. Um, and I also loved what he said about the connection between health and financial wellness and productivity. I think it's so important that, you know, the research shows that people who are stressed, whether it's about um, a health issue in the family or a financial issue, are not as productive at work. I know we've seen this in 2020 because, you know, that what we've experienced is not just a health crisis, but it's a financial crisis in our country. And so um, certainly that's reflected on the the family level, on the individual level. And so whatever we can be doing to give people peace of mind about their finances, that gives them peace of mind about going to seek the healthcare that they need, taking the time that they need to address health issues in the family with paid family leave. All of that was really interesting way to sort of put the the challenges of this year into context and figure out, you know, how do we step in in a holistic way that's going to solve the productivity issues that are really of concern to employers who are who are really trying to take care of their workforce and put them in a position to be successful. Um, so I thought that was really, really interesting. Absolutely. And I think it ties into sort of the last comment that it made around leadership, right? And whether you're formally a leader or not, we can all sort of lead in stressful environments um, to uh, to help make that positive impact we we talked about. And I think tying it back to some of the more important leadership traits is is a good way to look at it, right? Everyone mm-hmm. is looking for that guidance to sort of get through the tough times or the stressful situations. We all find ourselves in in those right now. So uh, I thought that was a good uh, reminder um, of uh, how to sort of operate, right? When when things are a bit uncertain and stressful. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that wraps up another exciting podcast, Laura. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Always mm-hmm. a pleasure. Um, thanks for, uh, thanks for uh, leading the charge here. So uh, in wrap up, if any of this discussion resonated with you and, and you want to learn more or get involved, uh, email me, mike at joinbrella.com or sales at joinbrella.com. We're working with brokers and their Texas-based clients right now. We may have missed the open enrollment cycle, but as Dick mentioned, uh, we are uh, uh, anxiously looking to uh, see if we can help make an impact regardless of the time of year for uh, employers and and their employees. So don't wait until the next benefit cycle to give us a holler. We're uh, excited and ready to work with you. So uh, with that, we'll wrap up another exciting Better Benefits podcast. Visit joinbrella.com slash podcast for notes from today's show. And if you liked the episode, share it with a colleague. This helps us spread the word. Be sure to subscribe or follow in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss our next episode. And that's a wrap. This is Laura Cave and Mike Zarillo from the Better Benefits podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great week.